Hi, I'm Sabrina Soto. I believe the best conversations are with friends who are really able to open themselves up and share their lives, both the good parts and the bad. You're going to be listening to some of those candid conversations and hopefully gaining some insight to help you redesign your life from the inside out. On this episode of Redesigning Life, it's my friend Bobby Burke. We are talking about the law of abundance, the pressures of social media, dealing with competition, and of course, Queer Eye. It's a great episode, so let's get started. Hi, Bobby. How's it going? <laughs> so I don't think people realize that how long we've been friends. A long time. Um, 12 years? Has it been that long? No, I don't think it's been that long. I think it's almost 10. 10? Yeah. From New York? Yeah, because we met at um, a party, a design milk party at my store. Is that what happened? Mm-hmm. And then you had at the time, you also had a store in Atlanta, and I did one of my book signings yeah, there. Yeah, so I think we met in 2010, uh, and then in 2011, you did a book signing at my store in Atlanta. That's crazy. Yeah. And I remember sitting with you that night after we had wrapped the bar and you started telling me at the W, I'll never forget, you started telling me your life story, which I know you've said in a lot of podcasts, but a lot of people still don't know your story. And I think it's just fascinating. So will you share a little bit about your childhood? Sure. Um, Where do you want me to start? Well, you were, you grew up in a very conservative household Mm -hmm. and then your parents were, I remember you were telling me like they were, if you don't like the rules, get out Mm -hmm. and you got out. Mm-hmm. And you were 14, right? Uh, 15. Yeah. 15. Um, so yeah, I grew up in a very religious household, um, very conservative. And, you know, I wasn't a rebellious child, but I definitely wasn't the docile child that my sister was. So my parents and I would butt heads. Um, and so eventually when I realized I was gay and I was wearing a mask every day, we butt heads one night and I was like, you know what? This is time for me to leave. I can't come out here. I can't be myself here. So I'm just going to go. What would you, what do you think would have happened if you had come out to them at that time? (sighs) Nothing good. Do you think they would have kicked you out anyway? Um, I don't know, honestly. You've never had that conversation with them? No, I I wouldn't want to because we're good now. Yeah. So yeah, no, I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to. But they're fine with your lifestyle now. Um... I definitely think deep inside they wish I wasn't, you know, they wish I was married to a woman, I'm sure. Um, but they love Dewey, you know, they love me. Um, so they, they're okay with it. You know, again, I, I think deep down inside, they're still like, it's against their religious beliefs, but they've learned to accept it at least. Looking yeah. back at your life, would you have done anything different? No. But you went years without speaking to your parents. Yeah. I would say about two, three years. Yeah. And where did you go? Um, in the beginning I went and lived with my friend Shirley, you know, she helped me out a lot, gave me a car to like get to school, um, got me an apartment eventually. Um, I also, I like lived in my car, lived in my car on the streets, you know, couch surfed. Yeah. So all over the place. But while you're in high school. Um, so when I left, I finished my sophomore year because when I left, I would say there was probably like maybe a month or two left of school. It was spring. Um, and then the next year, my junior year, I had to get myself emancipated because my parents didn't want me to go to school in Springfield, Missouri. They wanted me to come home. So they thought, oh, we'll use 
not allowing you to enroll in school to as force a force. Yeah. And I was like, well, that's not going to work. Um, so I had myself emancipated. I enrolled in school and for my junior year. And within like a month, I realized I couldn't pay rent and feed myself and go to school at the same time. Mm-hmm. So I dropped out thinking that I'd just drop out for a semester and then go back. And, you know, that was... 22 years ago. So you never finished? No, I never finished. Look at you. I just want to kiss you right now. I love it so much. <laughs> but do you regret how it, everything transpired? Do you wish you would have done anything differently? No. And you know, a lot of times LGBTQ youth say like, oh, the things that I've had to go through, the things I've had to do to survive. And, you know, I'm like, never regret that, though, because every single thing that you've went through, whether it's bad or good, has, is making you the person that you are. Right. You know, um, so unless it makes you a serial killer, it's great. It's <laughs> a good goal. Uh, yeah. It's a good life You lesson. know, I, all the hardships that I went through made me a stronger person. Right. And, you know, people say, oh, that was so hard. I'm like, well, you know what? You've got a leg up on all those little soft bitches who had a great little childhood and a great life. Right. You know what? You're stronger than they are now. And in your, you know, you're not going to have that midlife crisis where, you know, they've never had anything go wrong and all of a sudden their career goes south or something. They have a nervous breakdown because they've never dealt with rejection and failure before. Like you dealt with rejection and failure. You got that out of the way. So you know how to deal with it. You're a stronger person. Yeah. On my first episode of the podcast, I spoke about my growing up and having to sleep on the floor of the bathroom and during high school and all that. And people say, aren't you upset about it? But you're right. It's like, I wouldn't be who I am now. Yeah. I used to sleep on a cot. (laughs) Um, we went through some, some financial troubles when I was little and we lived in this crappy old house and my bedroom was upstairs, but it was too hot in the summer and too cold in the winter because it was basically the attic. So, um, temporarily, it was supposed to be temporarily. Uh, my mom had me sleeping on a cot in my sister's room, but that ended up being like a year or two. And then eventually they just moved my bed into the dining room and then I slept in the dining room. Amazing. <laughs> and yeah. then, so after you got yourself emancipated, I know you then moved to Denver, right? Um, yeah. So I moved to Denver, was it like 17, I think. Yeah, I was, I think I was about 17 when I left to move to Denver. And then you moved to New York with a hundred dollars in your, yeah. but I sort of did the same thing when I was 18, but what, how did you actually live in for with a hundred dollars? So I had a hundred dollars left to spend. I had saved up three months rent, okay, which would, would have been, I think it was like 800 bucks a month. So $2,400. And so I paid three months worth of rent. And I had a hundred bucks left. Um, and it took me over three months to find a job. So that hundred bucks had to stretch out over three months. Yeah. Lots of dollar chicken sandwiches at McDonald's. Yeah. (laughs) So at least you were smart enough to know that you had to. Yeah. Yeah. I went to New York with at least enough to have a roof over my head until I found a job. Right. But there was no fun other than that. So you went to New York. Now you lived in New York for a long time. As we mentioned, that's how we Mm -hmm. became friends. Yeah. What made you move to LA? Um, I was just done. (laughs) I was done with New York. You know, you move to New York um, in your 20s and it's great and it's hard and you're like, it's fine because I'm in my 20s. You know, life is supposed to be hard. But then you hit your 30s and you've achieved a certain level of success and, you know, your husband's a doctor and then you're like, wait, no, it's just the city Mm because life is still hard. It's a fight to walk down the street. It's a fight to get on the subway. It's a fight to get in the elevator. You know, just like everyone is just always so angry and ready to fight. 
And just after a while I was done with that. Yeah. You know, I'm like, I've, I've achieved a certain level of success in my life. I'm, I'm ready now for the house on the hill with the pool and, and the you view. And yeah, you have it. <laughs> I'm sitting in Bobby's new house and it's unbelievably beautiful. Listening though, I think I need some more soft surfaces in here because it's echoey. <laughs> That's okay. I'll fix this in post. <laughs> and, but I think a lot of people think that you became an overnight success with Queer Eye no. and it's not the case at all. I mean, I say, I think I'm a hustler. You know, I am, I hustle daily. You hustle. You yeah. always have since I've known you. Yeah. I've always had to, you know, just chillaxing and hoping things are going to happen has never been an option for me. You know, again, like going back, people say, do you regret the hardships you've went through? And I'm like, no, because if I had had it easy, I wouldn't be where I'm at right now. You right. know, I'm where I'm at right now because I've worked my ass off and I've always known that nothing else, it, it wasn't, it wasn't a choice, you know, it was only, my only option was to work my ass off because I didn't have family to fall back on. I didn't have anyone to fall back on. It was just me. But how did you even start your retail shops by yourself? Um, I started because I, um, I started my first one online, um, which didn't cost me anything. You know, I had worked for Portico and I had built their e-commerce division. And when they went belly up, um, I cloned the e-commerce that I had built for them. And I registered bobbybrookhome.com one night. And I thought, well, I'll sell a sofa or two while I look for another job. Wait, can I tell the story about how I called you trying to get a discount for Get It Sold? And you pretended to be your assistant? And it oh. was really you? <laughs> That's the kind of stuff that I love. Because I would do that. Totally. I mean, I wish I could do accents. I would completely pretend to be other people all the time. But that's, that's, I did call you because yeah. I needed a discount on something. Um, yeah. I mean, when I first started the company, especially with my name being the name of the company, you know, Bobby couldn't answer the phone or everything. So there were fake employee emails, <laughs> fake employee names. Um, yeah. And I just, I always made the illusion that the company was bigger than it was. And, you know, fake it till you make it. I, 1,000, so, no. I really believe in that. And I think that if you wait until the time that you're just given an opportunity that you 100% know how to do that job, you're doing yourself a disservice. You yeah. have to push yourself outside of yeah. what your comfort zone is. Just like when I, um, when I launched my design firm, you know, I'm, I'm not, I wasn't an interior designer by, by education. You know, I just, I've learned it. I've taught myself. Um, and the first real interior design job that I was offered was Builder Magazine called me and they're like, hey, we want you to design the show homes for the International Builder Show. Um, and I was like, okay, yeah, sure, I'll do that. I had never designed a home before. You know, like I had done, I had done some design for like customers in my retail stores, but I've never, you know, I didn't know how to work CAD. I didn't know anything about the technical terms of building, you know, electrical plans, cabinet layouts, bathroom tile, all that. Like literally from top to bottom, I had to design two homes and I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. I can do that. Absolutely. And I'm like YouTube and Google. <laughs> and like I did all the quote unquote CAD and Photoshop. Thanks Adobe. Um, you taught yourself. Yeah, yeah, on Photoshop. Like it looked like it was done in CAD, but it was actually just Photoshop. <laughs> Amazing. Um, so again, it was like, yeah, of course I can do that. And then you figure out how to do that. But you, you didn't know? have anybody helping you. It was just no. you yourself. So when I got that offer, I had just closed my last store. Um, and we had, were planning on moving to LA and I wanted out of the retail business. It had engulfed my life for almost 10 years. You know, I was traveling all the time and I was just done. You know, I just wanted to move to LA and figure something out. Um, and they offered me this gig. And at that point I had let go all my employees from the store and it was literally just me. Um, and so I did all the design myself and then the installs, I want to say was in like December, 2015. 
and I moved here in September. And so the last couple months I had my assistant, Adam, who helped me finish everything out and install the homes. But yeah, that was my, it was just 2015 was the first time I'd ever designed a home. So are you still taking private clients? Mm, me personally, no. no. We still work with a lot of builders. Um, we love working with builders. We've been taking a few private clients recently. My, my firm has. How many um, people do you have working for you now? 11, I think. It's insanely yeah. amazing. But so then I have a question for you about my life. Mm -hmm. I don't even have an assistant. Mm -hmm. So because I am a control freak and, <laughs> and <laughs> I also just want to do, you know, I want to do everything by myself and I also don't want somebody in my space constantly in my office, but I feel like I'm stagnant because I don't have people. I, I don't, I can't get everything done. It's just yeah. me by myself. I was always the same way. I didn't want an assistant. Like I'd only hired Janet in February. Um, I just, I can't physically like my schedule. You heard me talking about my schedule. It's nuts. And that that's a light schedule compared to the last few weeks. Like I cannot manage my own schedule anymore cause it's changing constantly. Like right. you heard my stylist. He was like, Oh, you know, you have this and this and this. I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. Bobby's stylist <laughs> yeah. was walking in as I walked into his house to drop off some wardrobe and Bobby in, I don't even know how by heart you remembered your your schedule, but it was crazy. In, I, I started having like, anxiety just listening to your schedule. In the last two weeks, I went from, let's see, LA, Vegas, Vegas, Denver, Denver, Minneapolis, Minneapolis back to LA for two days, um, back to Vegas for 12 hours, then New York, then Phoenix for six hours, then London for 48 hours, then Vegas for 48 hours, and back to LA, then New York, then back to LA. How do you stay healthy when you travel that? Often. I don't know. Because you look great. Thanks. Drinking a lot of water. <laughs> yeah. Drink a lot of water. Drink a lot of water, not a lot of wine. Exactly. Yeah, I, don't, <laughs> I don't drink much. You don't? Yeah. No. I don't, yeah. I don't think we've ever actually, maybe we've had one cocktail together. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love to. I just like food more and I prefer yeah. to use my calories for that. Yeah. You look great. <laughs> Thanks. How did they find you for Queer Eye? Um, my publicist, Courtney, had heard that they were bringing the show back, so she contacted people and got me But why audition. did you have a publicist at the time if you weren't on um, Because I still had my, my home brand. You know, I built Bobby Burke Home for the last 15, 16 years, so I, I had a publicist for my design work, for my, for my home brand. Design yeah. work to do build, like, mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. And you, now you have a line. Yep. How long um, have you... I've had a rug line, um, wallpaper art for years way before queer eye is the art in your house um there's a piece upstairs in okay. the office i can show you um and then my new furniture line so gorgeous that's happened since the show it launched in asia already and then it'll be in stores in the states by like september october congratulations thank you we put all that together in nine months amazing yeah. how was it auditioning for queer eye um you've seen american idol was it like you've that? seen America's Got Talent and then you've seen Hunger Games, right? <laughs> all three of those <laughs> and RuPaul's Track Race. It's like all four of those shows combined. No, so the auditions the first one, the first audition was a Skype interview, and you know, I had everything all set up, all cute in my apartment behind me, you know. Um, and then like 10 minutes before the interview was scheduled, the power went out in my building, so I had to frantically like get in my car and drive to my office as fast as I could, which was like a mile away. Um, and like the wall behind my desk was black. So it made me look super pale. And I was like all disheveled. And <laughs> You're like, like I had the lighting perfect. Yeah. I like had everything perfect. And then it all got ruined. It just goes to show you like, stop trying to make everything perfect. Right. Yep. Um, and I thought it went awful and I'm like, oh, there's no way that I'm getting this. But then 
I was in Palm Springs for Modernism Week installing a show home for um, for Modernism Week, the social house for Modernism Week with Design Milk. And yeah, Jamie with Jamie. And, um, I remember that. Yeah, and Sonos. And while I was installing, I, I got a call saying that they wanted me to come back. And then the in-person interviews was the next week. And that next week I was in Vegas for a meeting just for a day. And we went to fly home and got stuck in the plane for like six hours because Long story short, they kept giving us BS excuses, but then they finally were like, a terrorist threat has been tweeted against this flight. Um, so eventually we were literally let off the plane by machine guns and police surrounding the plane. And yeah, it was an ordeal. But we eventually didn't get off the plane until like one in the morning. And I had the auditions the next day. And I needed to find colorful clothes because there is a photo of me in like that bright blue suit with that orange shirt and the little bow tie that they're like, we want you to look like that guy. Yeah. They're like, we want that Bobby. And that's not me. Yeah. That's, you're wearing black. Yeah. That's literally, black right now. <laughs> that's literally an outfit that my assistant brought to a photo shoot and like forced me to wear that I did not want to wear, but I'm glad I did because it got Netflix's attention. So that night we had to drive home from Vegas in the middle of the night, I didn't get any sleep, went home, started going all over the city looking for bright colored clothes, which there weren't any. Um, and then that night was a cocktail mixer where we all, it was like the top 40. They'd narrowed it down for about 5,000. What? 40. Yeah. I mean, they had people from all over the world. It just wasn't people from the U.S. that they flew in. Yeah. Are, were you friendly, friendly with anyone who's in the room? Because um, you know a lot of designers. So Corey Damon Jenkins, mm -hmm. um, he was there, which I was like, no, I'm like, I don't want to have to compete against a friend. That's what like, I was yeah, say. like, like I love him. Uh, I mean, I, I deal with it by, you know, making it happen. Sorry, Corey, I love you. <laughs> um, and then Matt, what's Matt's last name? Matt from Consort. Okay. Um, he was there. But um, other than that, I didn't. Nobody from HGTV. Uh, no, no, nobody from HGTV. And Did then, you know that you had it? No, no, of course not. No, I was actually supposed to go on a trip to Spain with Porcelanosa. And we were leaving Friday morning. And Wednesday night was a cocktail event. And then Thursday was auditions where basically we sat around for 12 hours to do 15 minutes of oh, auditions. Of yeah. And again, I didn't think it went well. Like my audition was like at the very end and I was over it. And I was actually, had, I was super sick that week as well. Like had horrible flu. I had been traveling the whole week installing multiple homes and I was just sick as a dog. And so I'm like, oh, there's no way I'm going to get this. So like Porcelanosa was literally waiting to hear from me that night on if I got a call back and if I was going to show up the next day to go to Spain. And I was almost just like, fuck it. There's no way I'm going to get this. I'm just going to go to Spain. Um, but at like one in the morning, I got a call from David Collins, a creator of Queer Eye. And he says, we want you to come back. And he's like, and you know, just to let you know, not giving anything away, you're our first choice. And I was like, I think that's Then it. at that point you knew. The, nah, yes and no. Like I'm not one of those, I'm not a presumptuous person. I don't, you know, I have allowed myself in the past to get excited about things. And 99.9% .9 of the time it never happens. In the TV You know, business. especially in the TV business, people talk you up and they're like, blah, 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 this is going to happen. And then you like- I remember you, like, you having talks with HGTV. Yeah. And show. then you like never hear, like they just ghost you. And yeah. so I just, I learned not to let myself get excited and just assume it's not going to happen. You know, it's kind of a way I get through life. Just assume it's not going to happen and be okay with that. And if it does happen, it's even better, mm -hmm. you know, you let it go. Yeah. Yeah. I just let it go. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, you know, 
oh well. But what if you really want to, like, did you really want to be on Queer Eye? <sighs> yeah. And I, I say that kind of questioning because, like, again, I didn't allow myself to think I was going to get on Queer Eye. There's, I, I didn't think in a million years I would ever get it. Um, but I think that night after I got off the phone, that was the actual one and only freak out I had during casting. Like even when I actually got the show, I didn't freak out. I was like, okay, great. You know, let's great. see if this actually happens. Mm -hmm. Um, but that night I was just like, oh my God, my life is about to just be completely different. How did how did everything change? Was it the first week that Queer Eye was on there? Was on? Um, no, I would say. I mean, yes, um, but season one was successful, but it wasn't huge. You know, my social media following went from like one thirty, you know, to like eight hundred thousand. You know, so it definitely in a week. Yeah, in a week, it it was crazy. But I could still, you know, go to the grocery store. I could still get through an airport a bit. Then season two came out. And season two, people just clicked with even more than season one. And that's when it really started changing. Mm -hmm. And then now it's like every single season, it just keeps getting bigger and better and more viewers. And I mean, to where now like, I can't go really honestly anywhere. But do you kind of like being famous now? Yeah. I mean, there's definitely a lot of <laughs> pros about it. There's I mean, some I wouldn't cons know. Tell too. me what happens. <laughs> <laughs> there's some cons too. You know, sometimes, you know, you just want to, you know. Not brush your teeth and go to the grocery store. Uh, so, no, sometimes you just want to be anonymous, <laughs> yeah. and and you can't now. Like last night, we went to New Kids on the Block, and uh, we were in this part of a line where literally nobody was moving. Like the rest of the line was moving, but I don't know what was up with the people in front of us. They just did not know how to walk through a line. So at one point, my girlfriend's lost patience, and as the security guard was walking through the crowd, we, they just got right behind him and walked right up to the front, and so I like went with them. And people were not happy about it. And I like had my hoodie pulled up and I'm like, oh God, please don't recognize me. Please don't recognize me. Oh God. Um, yeah, because you can't be an a-hole anymore in public. Yeah, some people recognize me though. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. My girlfriends, they're, they're, they're hotheads. <laughs> they're, they're like, believe me, they're on best behavior right now. Because like, I'm always like, you can't cause a scene That's right. when you're out with me now like no matter how stupid the person is in front of us like you just you can't because they'll blame it on you yeah That's right. i'm like you can't engage so they were i knew that if i tried to stop them they'd lose it <laughs> what are your daily practices though because you have built such an amazing empire and you've you've gained so much success and and things what are your daily practices to sort of keep your mind focused and to keep yourself mentally healthy I don't know if I have any daily practices, honestly, because I'm rarely in the same place two days in a row. Do you meditate? Um, no. Hmm. Do you do it like a gratitude journal, anything? Uh, you know, I think my way I keep saying is I just keep it real. You know, there's some people that want to get really involved in the Hollywood scene and have all these famous friends. And I'm like, I don't care. Yeah. You know, I... Uh, I still like the people I hang out with, the people I hang, I've hung out with for 20 years. I'm like, I don't really have desire to add all these famous friends into my life. Like, don't get me wrong. There have been some amazing people that I have met in the industry, like Lauren Ash um, from um, Superstore. Mm -hmm. She plays Dina. One of like, I met her at our Emmys party last year and I was like, oh, 
I'm like, oh my God, I love you. And she's like, oh my God, I love you. And like, we've been great since ever since because she's also one of those people, like she's super real. Like all her close friends are like friends of hers for like 20 years, you know? So the people, there's a lot of fake people in Hollywood. Yep. Um, and I've been lucky enough that I have met like Andrea Barber, Kimmy Gimmel, Kimmy, uh, Kimmy Gibbler from yep. Full House. Yep. Good friend. Like I was with her last night at the concert. Candace Cameron, you know? Um, we have very, very different political and religious views. But she's real. Yeah. You know, she, it's definitely one of those people where she voices her opinion and her thoughts and it, she doesn't care what other people think, whether I strongly disagree with her thoughts or not, but I respect her. Yeah. You know, and so I, I have met some really great people in the industry, but I think the way I keep myself grounded is you lay low is I lay low. I don't, I don't really get involved in Hollywood, you know? I don't know. I think that some people allow it their whole life becomes that. And when you surround yourself by, I'll just be frank, when you surround yourself by ass kissers all day long yeah. and fake people in the industry that are just blowing smoke up your ass. You're you, going to start to believe yeah, it. Yeah, you start to believe That's it. Right. And I, I don't allow that in my life. You know, even like but my team that my team's been with me for years, you know, it's. I don't like, I won't hire fans. Like we get resumes all the time. And like the moment we find out that they're huge fans of the shows, we're like, mm, no, I'm like, I don't want yes people. Right. You know, I want people that are going to be like, no, that is not the right decision. What are you thinking? Um, so I keep people in my life that keep me grounded, you know, like my husband. What about your like dealing with anxiety because you have such a hectic schedule? Um, I would say the only, Oddly, like I can get up on stage at the Emmys in front of 52 million people and it doesn't bother me at all. Like wasn't nervous, didn't phase me. Um, filming shows doesn't make me nervous, doesn't phase me. The only thing I get awful anxiety about and literally just want to like go hide in a bathroom stall is parties. 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 Social anxiety. Social, horrible social anxiety. Yeah. Like I've literally, I've left events that I'm supposed to like present at an award show and one of the fab five will like cancel last second and I've literally I've just left because I'm like no can't I cannot do this yeah but I think a lot of people feel that I sometimes at a party I'll go to the bathroom a lot just to like get my alone time well it's just I have a really hard time being fake and I feel again like most of those parties it's all about the schmoozing and the chit chat and the networking and I'm just like I don't care yeah. I'm like, I'm not going to sit there and act like I want to talk to you and be your friend when I don't. And I know you don't either. And right. so I, I know it's written all over my face when I'm being fake because I just can't be fake. And that's what gives me anxiety. What's next for you? Um, talking to Netflix about some other shows that we'll be able to film at the same time as Queer Eye. Well, not at the same time, but in the same year, you know, that way Queer Eye still keeps going. Um, you know, I have my furniture line launching. I have some other partnerships launching soon. That'll be really exciting. I can't talk about yet. Um, you'll tell me after. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, you know, I'm thinking about maybe doing a daytime talk show, Amazing. um, which will be not just design, but it'll be complete lifestyle, you know, like, for Netflix. um, no, it probably, this wouldn't live on Netflix. Um, Talk show formats, especially kind of like daytime formats, it hasn't really worked for Netflix um, because those type of shows, it's kind of like you wanted to make sure that it's about things that are going on right now. Right. And when you film them all at once and you yeah. put them out all at once, it just, it hasn't worked. You have to make lifestyle happen in the daytime space. It's like my dream come yeah. true. So I need to a be part of it, but it's never worked. And I think it's because they have never done it the correct way. Yes. And again, it won't just be design. It will be 
cooking, um, health and fitness, yeah. cooking. You know, I, I compare it to kind of what Rachel's done. Yes. You know, Rachel Ray has taken cooking, her, her main passion, like design is my main passion. And she's turned it into a show that isn't just about cooking. Cooking's a part of it. Right. But then she'll have like me on talking about design. She'll have Lauren Ash on, you know, she'll have Kyan on to do hair. So she's taken her passion and expanded on that and turned it into a show where no matter what you're into, you're going to find something that you love. How um, do you deal with competition? What do you mean? Meaning like... How do you deal with being on a show with five other gay guys? Yeah, not, <laughs> not just competing against your cast, but also like I sometimes, I'm getting way better at it now, but trying not to always compare myself to other people in my That's genre. Hard. Um, with the five of us... You know, we went from being complete strangers to spending more time with each other in the last two years than you literally people who have had lifelong best friends spend with each other. That's right. You know? Um, so when people are like, how do you know each other so well? I'm like, we've, we've spent more time with each other than you will with your spouse probably. And if you're married for 20 years, like 24 seven for two years. Um, so we know each other really well. We all believe in the law of abundance. Like there is enough success for all five of us, all five of us to have our individual success, you know, What's great about us is we all know each other really well. We all also aren't going after the same things. Right. So we all have our own wheelhouse. We all have our own um, thing that we're passionate about. So like, for example, like Tan's new show, you know, Next in Fashion. I'm so proud of him. Like literally we got to go, Jonathan and I were on the front row of the final runway show. And I'm like literally crying because I'm just so proud of him. Yeah. And, you know, some people are like, oh, well... How is it that Tan, you know, how do you feel about Tan getting the first, you know, spinoff? And I'm like, I am so excited for him. I'm not going to host a fashion show. Right. You know, that's, that's not my genre. That's not me. So why wouldn't I be just utterly just so excited for him? Yeah. And I really, truly am, you know, and I, I think some people might assume it's fake, you know, when I'm sitting there just like crying, I'm like, oh, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> but I really am. That's awesome. You know, so... In the beginning, it was hard. Um, social media actually is like literally the the poison of society. It really is. Yeah. Um, because social media allows us to like compare ourselves to other people and by likes and followers. I know. And you know, before the show, I I was the only one with a social media following. You know, I had a brand before the show. I had you know one hundred and thirty thousand followers, I think, and like Anthony had like two hundred. Not 200,000, 200. And, you know, Tan didn't have any. Um, Jonathan, I think, had like 20 or 30. And Karamo had, you know, maybe like 5,000. Um, and so then the show came out. And, you know, Jonathan and Anthony went up really, really quick. And to this day, they have the most. Um, and so in the very beginning, like, it really knocked me on my ass. Yeah. Like, it put me in some depression because... Oh, I, Bobby, I love that you're like talking about this because I think that's real. Like between um, between filming and when season, or no, after when season one came out, between season one and season two, like there were days I just couldn't get out of bed. I was just like, because I worked so hard. And then to see me like, I, I'm not good like, enough. Yeah, I'm not good enough. Well, like I'm, I'm really great in my craft. I've worked hard for years and now all of a sudden like, because I'm not the loudest or, you know, with the most abs, like I'm being put on the back burner, you know, especially season one and season one, everyone's just like, Oh, Bobby's not even in the show. And it was kind of my own fault. You know, um, producers would be like, okay, we want you to go on this filter when we go on field trip. Trips, yeah. We call it field trips. Um, we want you to go on this filter, but tan, and I'm like, I'm working on the house. Like it literally makes no sense that I'm on camera off 
doing helping him with clothes when I've got a house to do. Like that makes no sense. Right. So I'm like, no. And then the season came out. I'm like, oh, I'm not in the show. Right. Uh, ooh, whoops. Yes. <laughs> you know, and so season two was a little bit more. And then season three, you know, because season one and two we filmed together. Mm-hmm. So like everyone would always ask like, oh, what's the difference between one and two? We're like there's literally no difference. It's 16 episodes intertwined together that we all filmed at once. So there was nothing that we learned from season one that we changed in season two. But season three... I worked a little harder to make sure I was I was in the show more. Right. You know, because the problem with my vertical with design is every other guy, their their vertical is literally personal with our hero. It's teaching them how to cook. It's talking to them about their feelings. It's cutting their hair. It's helping them with fashion. Like it's physically with our hero, where mine is completely detached from the hero. Right. Like they can't see their home until the end of that reveal. So during the week, like it's very hard for me and the producers to figure out ways that I get to even spend time with them. Yes. So season three, um, we definitely, it's, it's better. Um, is it ideal for me? No. Um, there's definitely still some disappointments in my mind that I still feel like I'm, I'm left out a bit mm-hmm. just because it's, it's my category, unfortunately. Right. You know, I love what I do, but I don't get to spend as much time with our hero as, as my, my brothers do. And so then how did you get through that hurdle? I just had to realize, I I had to really start believing in the law of abundance. I had to really. Okay. So the law of abundance, so what he's talking about, just so if you're listening, like what the hell is he talking about? (laughs) So it's meaning there's enough for everyone to go around. So meaning if you see somebody at your work who gets a raise and you don't not to feel upset about that because they, it's almost like you feel like they took it away from you. You have to let go of that mindset. And, and realize that everyone's success is not measured in the same way. Right. You know, I, again, like seeing like the social media numbers, it was killing me. And then I just had to realize, I'm like, you know what? No, that is likes and, and followers. That does not compute to success. Or happiness. Exactly. You know, I had to start looking at my life and everything in my life and realizing, you know what, there are a lot of things in my life that are far, far better than likes and followers. And don't get right. me wrong, I love my I love my followers, I love my fans, they're great. Um, but that's not the measure of success. I couldn't agree more with you. And thanks for being part of, of Redesigning course. Life. My pleasure. That was so fun. Now we can actually gossip. <laughs> you guys can obviously watch Bobby on Queer Eye or follow him on social to see what he's up to. Until next week.